Waterview. It is so great to see you today, and we just have some very good news to share with you, and that is God wants to bless you. And we have, as of last week, entered into a season where we are focusing on learning about and seeking after all of those blessings. We are in a season of blessing, and so we're thrilled that you're here today. Let me take a moment to introduce myself. My name is Jason Bentley, and I serve as the lead pastor here. And I just want to thank you for being with us today. And you've picked a great time to join us because of all that God's doing and what we are in pursuit of all that God has for our lives. Our vision and mission at our church here is to make life matter for all people by bringing them fully alive, leading them to flourish, and equipping them to live fulfilled. So you're here today getting started on that. And I'm so thankful. I'm glad that you're here. And as a part of seeking after the blessing of God, we are launching small groups, our fall semester of small groups, and we're signing up this weekend, all this next week, next weekend, and then kicking off around 10 to 12 weeks of meeting throughout the week to grow in our relationship with God and with each other. And so if you have our app, or you can get to our website, please go and check out our small group directory because all of the different group options are there, and we want you to sign up for a group. That's a part of how God blesses us. The blessings of God come to us and through us by getting us in right relationship, getting us in community, life-giving community, where Jesus is at the center and where we're learning more about him and where we can care for one another. And we want to make sure that, the, that, that your faith adventure involves being a part of a small group. And Sundays might be exciting when everyone's gathered together and we have music and all of the things that we've come to know that symbolizes church. But it's really during the week when we connect with one another that's where real growth and real care takes place. So make sure that you sign up for a group. And then another way that we are resourcing you during this season dedicated to blessing is we have made a 28-day devotional guide available for you. You can actually pick that up at the Connect Center in the lobby. It's a, a hardback book that you can get for only $10. The list price on the book is actually $17. We're making it available to you for 10, and there's just a, just a couple of copies left, so make sure you stop by there today and pick up one to just help you during the week resource what we're learning together on the weekend. And again, last week we kicked off this series called the Lord bless you, and we identified the, the idea, the big idea that God wants to bless you. He wants to bless us, and his heart to bless us has been present from the very beginning, and it will remain until the very end. God is wanting to bless us. So we're going to pick up there this week and continue our series and we're going to kind of frame it around the idea of carpe diem. I'm sure that you've heard 
carpe diem before. We know that it's best translated, seize the day. Seize the day. But what I'd like for you to consider is what does it mean to you to seize the day? What exactly does that mean, seize the day? Because carpe diem, it expresses a philosophy that has been really central to prosperous societies for many centuries. Those who were prosperous in particular societies, they promoted the experience of pleasure as the highest good. At one time, when someone would say carpe diem, what they were really saying was to seize a moment of pleasure and to experience and to live in that moment of pleasure until it passes you by. Like take advantage of pleasure as much and as often as you can. And pursuing a good time, having fun, engaging in pleasure, it was the highest virtue and the greatest aspiration. In fact, this philosophy, it was popularized by the Roman poet Horace all the way back in the year 23 BC with his poem entitled, To Seize the Day. And in this poem, Horace counsels, he counsels his listeners to live for the moment and to extract every drop of pleasure from life. And this is what he wrote. Life ebbs even as I speak. So seize each day and grant the text no credit. The sentiment carpe diem, it appeared in ancient Greek literature as well, and it really intersects with the teachings of a Greek philosopher by the name of Epicurus, whose philosophy became known as Epicureanism. Don't worry, there's not going to be a test here today, and I'm going to try to quickly get through this as to not bore you right at the beginning. But the Epicureans believed, and it's very important that you have somewhat of a context for this, they believed that the experience of pleasure and the avoidance of pain was the primary good of life. Now imagine, this was not the thought process of a 21st century American, although it is very, very similar. It dates back centuries, even millennia. Their belief, the Epicureans, thought that experiencing pleasure and avoiding pain was the primary good of life. They weren't necessarily bad people. They, they weren't like the hedonists who would, pursue, who would pursue pleasure without any kind of moral boundaries. But simply put, the Epicureans, really, they were a lot like all of us, our neighbors, the people that we bump into while shopping and on the lake, they just wanted to feel good and not be bothered and just live their nice little lives. And the so-called gods that the Epicureans worshipped were, according to their philosophy, happy and carefree and totally undisturbed by the human condition. 
really checked out from suffering and the things that were happening in the world around us. So the Epicureans then, like the gods that they looked to, they lived to be happy and to be carefree and undisturbed by the condition of the world around them. They did not believe in an afterlife, and therefore they believed that the central purpose of life is pleasure in the moment, present good times, present fun, and no more. And that what we needed to be doing, each and every one of us, was getting pleasure while the getting's good. And this was the mentality that the Apostle Paul confronted when he wrote to a church in a town called Corinth. And those writings were actually compiled and they're now in your New Testament as 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And this is what Paul is speaking to in 1st Corinthians 15 and verse number 32 when he says, If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink. Let's have pleasure. Let's let's live for good times, for tomorrow we die. What Paul is saying is that if Jesus really had not been raised from the dead, which he had been, but he's saying if he had not been raised from the dead, then there is no resurrection. And if there is no resurrection, then there is no age to come. There is no eternal life. There is nothing more significant to live for. We might as well just get arm in arm, hand in hand with the Epicureans and just start living for a good time and and start adopting the philosophy I'm not here for a long time. I'm just here for a good time. And let's just party, not get worried about anything else. Just live for ourselves because tomorrow we're going to die and it's going to all be over anyway. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Seize the pleasure of the moment. Seize the pleasure out of life while you can. Squeeze the pleasure out of each and every day. Now, we can fast forward like 2,000 years to an American poet by the name of Robert Frost. And Robert Frost, he wrote this in a poem entitled Carpe Diem when he has a character named Age counsel two young children to, and I quote, be happy, be happy, be happy, 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 and seize the day of pleasure. Now, we don't have to consult any kind of study guides or literary references to see that this is still as pervasive as it has ever been amongst our friends, amongst our peer groups, in our popular culture. This is what we are bombarded with constantly, and it's no longer Carpe diem, it's now YOLO or whatever other shape it, it, it appears to us in. 
good time. Let's have pleasure. But here's the deal. I always thought that carpe diem was about doing something great with my life. And maybe you did too. That's what I thought seize the day meant. I thought it meant to actually do something significant, to make my life matter, to make a difference in the world. But if it means to only pursue pleasure and avoid pain, then I think I'm out. I don't think I really want to ascribe to that any longer. And the reason for that is because I know that it is impossible to experience the true pleasure if pleasure is disconnected from purpose. So if we can today, while we're together, if we can redefine this idea of carpe diem to mean seize the purpose out of life, then I'm in because this gets at the very basic meaning of each and every one of our lives. Because as we're, con as we're continuing talking about a God that wants to bless and that a God, a God that is actively trying to bless us, we need to understand this. We cannot live in God's full blessing if we are not living a life of purpose. Because to be blessed is not just about feeling good. To be blessed is also about doing good. Let's go back to the very beginning. Genesis 1 verses 27 through 28. It says this, So God creates mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he creates them. Male and female, he creates them. God blesses them. Notice, at the very start, God blesses them and says to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This Genesis narrative, this insight into the way that God sets up things at the start tells us several things that are of the utmost importance as to what God wants for humanity, what's, what he wants for you and I on this planet. Number one, he wants to bless, and this is what we talked about last week, he wants to bless the people he made. And he does that. He blesses them. And we talked last week that to be blessed means to be in harmonious relationship with God who wants to do good in us, who wants to do good to us, and who wants to do good through us. But this now leads us to the second thing we need to know about God and what he wants for the people that he makes in the very beginning. It says that he blesses them, but then he immediately gives them purpose. He blessed them, and he purposed them. Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. God had some things 
that he wanted them to do. He didn't say, I bless you and just stand there and enjoy my blessings, frolic in my blessings, delight in my blessings, feel superior to others in my blessings. No, he blesses them and then he immediately assigns purpose to them because there are some things that he wants them to do. He wants them to partner with him in his work. These people who were created in the image of God were to multiply that God image throughout the earth. And they were to, they were to take what they were enjoying there in Eden, in this place of paradise, and they were to take it throughout the earth, which was God's presence, life-giving relationships, abundance, beauty. These were the things that they were instructed to carry throughout the earth, to fill the earth with. They were to establish God's rule everywhere on the planet and govern this created world under his authority. They were to partner with God both in intimate relationship with him and partner with him to do his work. And blessing was not just about the good God wanted to do in them and to them, but blessing was also the good he wanted to do with them and through them. And why is that? It is because blessing is inextricably connected to purpose. Blessing is inextricably connected to purpose. It is impossible to be truly blessed unless we are doing what God made us to do and what God purposed us to do. But many of us struggle with this and have such a hard time with it because it is completely countercultural. It goes against the messaging that we are bombarded with every single day without ceasing. This is not just true for the first man, Adam, the first woman, Eve. It's true for us. Because God's not changed his mind about why he made humanity. Adam and Eve, they were blessed in the context of purpose. And so are you. So am I. So's your family. So's my family. You see, when we believed in Jesus, when we surrendered our lives to him, when we made a fresh start, we were born again and we were reconciled to God and we were restored to our purpose. That's why Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Look at verse number 10. For we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
We are so connected to purpose that God long ago had good things planned for us to do. So please know here today as we're continuing talking about God's heart to bless, that to be blessed is not just about experiencing pleasure or avoiding pain or having nice things or having this nice little life. It is about living a life of meaning. It is about the deep sense of holistic satisfaction when we, exp when we experience, when we know that we're doing what we're made to do, what we were saved to do. The professor and philosopher Jacob Needleman, he put it like this. We are born for meaning, not pleasure, unless it is pleasure steeped in meaning. So I think what God's trying to tell us today is this, carpe diem, seize the purpose out of each day and no true pleasure. God is going to bless you in amazing ways as you seek to live out the purpose that he's placed on your life. And for our last few moments together, I just want to help you to see the three ways that you can seize the purpose out of life. Number one, you've got to embrace the adventure. You've got to embrace the adventure. You, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. There, there is a part of all of us that longs for adventure. Whether it's the theory of adventure or the big idea of adventure or the break in the monotony that seems so desirable. There's a part of us that actually go on an adventure or when you start an adventure, it can actually be rather disruptive to our comfort and to life as we know it. In fact, there's this great scene from the movie The Hobbit where Gandalf shows up at the home of Bilbo Baggins who's just there enjoying life. As boring as it may be, he's enjoying it and he invites him into an adventure. Check this scene out on the screen. Can I help you? Not your most to see. I'm looking for someone So did you notice here comes this grand invitation to go on an adventure and his response is that's uncomfortable and it makes you late for dinner. You know, I, I really believe that God is calling all of us to, to join him in the great adventure that he has for our lives the great adventure that he has planned for us. 
In fact, you'll hear a lot of churches and, and a lot of pastors talk about going on a journey with God. Our relationship with God is like a journey. And I, I used to refer to it in a, a similar fashion until a couple of years ago, I changed my rhetoric and I started referring to it not as a journey, but as an adventure. Because a journey to me sounds kind of something that I want to be a part of. However, however, in order to, to receive the full blessing that he's got for our lives, we've got to say yes. We've got to say yes to that invitation, regardless of how disruptive that might be to our nice lives, regardless of how uncomfortable it might be, and regardless of how late it makes us for dinner. You know, if you think about it in the truest sense of the word, God doesn't need us because he's God. He can do it all by himself, but he wants us. And God has decided that whatever he is going to do among humanity, he's going to to do it with the help of all of us. He chooses to do what he does in the world through us. And he does, in fact, have a work for us to do in order to complete the project that he's trying to do on this planet. And this is how he designed things. God is a creator. God is the creator. But creation is not just a one-and-done event. Creation is a process. In fact, John Walton, he makes this statement, making something might be a one-time act, but creation, as the Bible understands it, is a perpetual activity. It's perpetual. We are partnering with God to create in the world what is his heart and what is his vision. You know, earlier in this message, I, I referred to the Epicureans and, and, and how their so-called gods were undisturbed and carefree. And N.T. Wright, who is, a, who is a Bible scholar, Bible commentator, he wrote this about the Epicureans. He said, there were gods, but they were distant and they were detached deities, uninvolved with the world, supremely happy with themselves. And the best thing a human could do was attempt a similar detachment from the cares of life. The highest virtue for them was therefore undisturbedness. As they were trying to imitate their gods, in this happy and carefree state. And this is why the Epicureans, this is why they saw pleasure and the avoidance of pain as life's highest goals. They believed in don't worry and be happy gods. So therefore they lived don't worry and be happy lives. But today we're not worshiping or gathering to, to honor the God of the Epicureans. The one true God, the one that we see and know is Jesus Christ. 
He is in fact disturbed, deeply disturbed, deeply moved, his heart broken about a lot that is going on on this planet. And he is wanting everyone to be in relationship with him and to share in his happiness. And that happiness comes from seeking and saving those that are lost putting the broken pieces of lives back together, healing families, eradicating extreme poverty. These are the things that makes God happy. He's on a mission to seek and save. And his purpose is to redeem this planet. And he invites us to share in that mission. And here's the thing that you cannot forget here today. We will not be truly happy. Everyone say happy. We will not be truly happy unless we say yes to that call. Because when we say yes to God's call, it might disturb our nice little lives. You know, adventures are wild, dangerous things that are full of risk and heart-pounding excitement. But as Tim Ferriss wrote, the opposite of happiness is boredom. I promise you that if you say yes, if you say yes to whatever God calls you to do, you will never be bored. So maybe God here today has been or is now or very shortly will be calling you to start a new business. Calling you to become a foster parent, calling you to sponsor a child in Honduras where our, our church is focused and where we're trying to take holistic child development to kids there in extreme poverty. Maybe he's calling you to go back to school. Maybe he's calling you to step out in faith and sacrifice to serve and some area of ministry, some part of our life giver team. Maybe he's calling you to do this or he's calling you to do that. The best thing that you can do for your own personal happiness is to say yes to whatever it is that he is calling you to. Even if it disturbs our nice, comfortable life. Because blessing is found in joining God in his great adventure. And by the name of Abraham. We read about it in Genesis 12. And God speaks to Abraham and says, Go from your country. Go from your people. Go from your father's household. And go to the land, go to the place that I'm going to show you. I'm not even going to tell you where we're headed. Nothing's going to be mapped out. There's going to be no instructions. You just go. Abraham, we're going on an adventure. Just go. And you're going to leave everything as you know it behind, but I'm going to take you somewhere. And as we go, as we do this adventure together, look at what God says. I will bless you, and you are going to be a blessing. 
and all the peoples on the earth are going to be blessed through you. And Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Now insert yourself into Abraham's shoes for a moment. We're not reading about a literary figure. This is a real man who had a real family, who had a real comfort zone, who had a real way of life. And one day, similar to today, God knocked on the door of his heart and life and he said, go with me on an adventure, step into a place of purpose with me, and if you'll say yes, I'm going to bless you. You know, when he was called to do this, he lived in a very sophisticated and desirable city. But he was called to go to a yet unnamed place that God was going to show him. And he was asked to go and to sacrifice all of this and to just take a blind step of faith before he even knew exactly where he's going. And what we see is that where he ended up going was not as geographically desirable as the place he left, but God made it a place of immense blessing. And what we read at the end of Abraham's life is that he was blessed in every way. And it was all because Abraham said yes to God's call. Abraham risked everything to fulfill his God-given purpose. And as a result, he received blessing. The first thing we got to do if we're going to live this life of blessing is embrace the adventure. The second thing is we've got to fulfill our vocation. Fulfill our vocation. The word vocation in this context has to do with what you and I, what we were made to do. The way that God designed us. The gifts that he gave us. The way that we are. Who you are. I'm not necessarily talking about your job though that, that could be a part of it. I'm talking about the bigger picture of your life. What's your life fundamentally about? You know, on one hand, we all have primarily the same vocation. Because in the beginning, God gave humanity two things to do. To worship Him, and to work with him. But on the other hand, on the other hand, we all have a specific role that we play in carrying this out. Because working, working with him is going to look different for each and every one of us. The word create in the original language had to do with bringing heaven and earth into existence the assignment of roles and functions, and that is connected to the fixing of destinies. So if we're going to work with him, and if we're going to fulfill our vocation, it's about understanding the way that God designed us. 
He had a reason for creating everything and everyone. And you have a purpose. And the way that God sets you up, your personality, your passions, your gifts, that's all by design. And you've got to discover your God-designed role or roles, the things that he's wanting you to do in this world, and you can. And it's seen in your everyday life. For example, you can know your vocation, your role, how you can fulfill God's purpose in this manner. It's discovered at the intersection of three things. Number one, mission. What is God doing and where are you needed? Number two, passion. What good things do you love to do and what makes you come alive? And number three, gifts. What talents have you been given and what actions need to be taken to turn gifts into skills? You'll know your vocation. You'll know your role. You'll know how to fulfill your purpose when those three things all come together, mission, passion, and gifts. And actually, do you know why launch is such a big part of who we are and what we do as a church? We, we have this thing that we encourage everyone to do. If you're new to our church or you're wanting more information or you're looking to get more involved, kind of the big next step we encourage everyone to take is called launch. And we have step one, step two, and step three. In fact, today, at the end of our gathering, we're hosting launch step number two. And the big reason behind this is to help people to discover their purpose. It's to help them to see where and how their mission and their passion and their gifts intersect. Because it is fundamentally vital for us flourishing and living fulfilled, embracing this life of blessing. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 7 through 10. We can know what God had in mind when he made us, what he destined for our glory before time began. This plan is so marvelous that no eye has seen nor ear heard and no mind has conceived the amazing things that God has prepared for us. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And then here's the last thing. If we're going to live a blessed life and if we're going to live a life of purpose, we've got to embrace the adventure and we've got to fulfill the vocation. And we've also got to accept the struggle. Accept the struggle. Because when you live, when you start living to seize the purpose out of life, hear me today, you are not going to avoid pain. I don't know how any of us ever believed that. I don't know who ever told you that. But when you're living to, to seize the purpose out of every day of your life, you will not be avoiding pain. However, you're going to experience true and lasting pleasure. Why? Because God is going to bless you as you fulfill your purpose. 
when we join with God to do good in this world, we are going to face resistance. In fact, today, if you decide, you know what, I'm going to give my heart and life to him and I'm, I'm going to make my life count. I, I want to start making my life matter. I, I'm going to start making every day matter. The, the moment that you decide that you're going to do something significant with your life, something beyond just living for pleasure and avoiding pain, you are going to discover that you're going to face resistance. And part of it is just how the world is. It's just the way life is. Part of it is, is the fact that we have an enemy who is working against everything that we'll ever do in the name of God. His name is Satan. He is our adversary. He is the devil. And evil is always trying to conquer good. But for those of us who are living on purpose and in a place of purpose, we need to look at this resistance that comes as an opportunity to trust in God more, to grow stronger, to get to know the deep joy that comes through living a meaningful life. It won't be a boring life, but it's not going to be free of pain or resistance. In fact, this is what it says in the book of James. James chapter 1. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Verse number 11, As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. This Fighting for a great purpose mentality was what the Apostle Paul had in mind when he addressed the carpe diem, seize the pleasure out of life Epicureans. When he, when he writes what he did to the Corinthian church. In essence, what he says to them is the resurrection of Jesus is real. The resurrection of Jesus is real. It can be proven. And that is why I am working so hard as a church leader, even endangering my life and struggling with people who oppose me like wild beasts. Because what God is doing in the world through Jesus matters. And therefore, what I'm doing in the world for God's sake matters. And that's what he's saying there. You, you can, can read it. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes. What have I gained if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink for 
tomorrow he die for tomorrow we die paul is saying guys like there's something so much more to life than just pleasure and having a good time it's about purpose and he's saying god's wanting to make you happy but we can only live truly happy and be truly blessed when we are fulfilling our god given purpose we can only be truly happy and blessed when God is doing good in us when God is doing good to us and when God is doing good through us will you stand with me here today if you truly want to be breath if you truly want to be blessed friends get up tomorrow and instead of your thoughts being about I want to seize the pleasure out of this day Approach it with a whole new perspective that can start here today as you surrender your life to Jesus. And that will be, I'm going to seize the purpose out of this day. No longer about seize the pleasure. It's going to now be about seize the purpose.